Peace be upon you, Gudmalin. Today we're going to read from chapter 18 uh, regarding Moses and the teacher. Um, some really good lessons in here, inshallah. We can uh, pull from it and learn from it. So let's start. Uh, before we start reading, we always say we seek refuge in God from saying the rejected. So 1860, the header reads, Valuable Lessons from Moses and His Teacher. Moses said to his servant, I will not rest until I reach the point where the two rivers meet, no matter how long it takes. When they reached the point where they met, they forgot their fish, and it found its way back to the river sneakily. After they passed the point, he said to his servant, Let us have lunch. All this traveling has thoroughly exhausted us. He said, Remember when we sat by the rock back there? I paid no attention to the fish, and it was the devil that made me forget it, and it found its way back to the river strangely. Moses said, That was the place we were looking for. They traced their steps back. They found one of our servants whom we blessed with mercy and bestowed upon him from our own knowledge. 1866. Moses said to him, Can I follow you that you may teach me some of the knowledge and guidance bestowed upon you? He said, You cannot stand to be with me. How can you stand that which you do not comprehend? He said, You will find me, God willing, patient. I will not disobey any command you give me. He said, If you follow me, then you shall not ask me about anything unless I choose to tell you about it. 1871. So they went. When they board a ship, he bore a hole in it. He said, Did you bore a hole in it to drown its people? You have committed something terrible. He said, Did I not say that you cannot stand to be with me? Moses said, I am sorry. Do not punish me for my forgetfulness. Do not be too harsh with me. So they went. When they met a young boy, he killed him. He said, Why did you kill such an innocent person who did not kill another person? You have committed something horrendous. He said, Did I not tell you you cannot stand to be with me? He said, if I ask you about anything else, then do not keep me with you. You have seen enough apologies from me. So they went. When they reached a certain community, they asked the people for food, but they refused to host them. Soon they found the wall about to collapse, and they fixed it. He said, you, you have demanded a wage for that. Oh, apologies. It says, uh, you could have demanded a wage for that. 1878. Heder reads, there's a good reason for everything. He said, now we have to part company, but I will explain to you everything you cannot stand. As for the ship, it belonged to a poor fisherman, and I wanted to render it defective. There was a king coming after them who was confiscating every ship forcibly. As for the boy, his parents were good believers. We saw that he was going to burden them with his transgression and disbelief. We willed that your Lord substitute in his place another son, one who is better in righteousness and kindness. As for the wall, it belonged to two orphans. Uh, orphan boys in the city. Under it, there was a treasure that belonged to them. Because their father was a righteous man, your Lord wanted them to grow up and attain full strength, then extract their treasure. Such is the mercy from your Lord. I did none of that on my own volition. This is the explanation of the things you cannot stand. Wow, so many good verses and so many good lessons that God willing we can pull from this. So let's just, you know, take a moment and uh, see kind of what the circumstance is. Moses was seeking a teacher, and God provided him with one. And when Moses was going through his uh, curriculum, he came to the realization that a lot of what was happening, he couldn't comprehend and he couldn't stand. Even though he told himself, uh, he confirmed it, that, yeah, he's going to basically be able to be patient, to uh, not try to jump to conclusions. Uh, three times in three different events, uh, he goes reverts and uh, slips up and questions what's going on. And it's pretty interesting when you look at the three events. Uh, in the first event, the uh, teacher goes and he bores a hole in his ship. And when he does this, Moses' initial response is, you know, the, this seems like a reckless act. Like, why would you do that? Um, and he didn't understand the, the implications. And the teacher at the end of the, uh, the, the story kind of explains. 
and what he says, he says, look, there was a king coming and confiscating all these ships, and I had to render the ship uh, defective because this fisherman was a good uh, believer and deserved to have his ship. And if you think about it from the fisherman's standpoint, when he sees the event, how did the fisherman behave? Uh, because you think about it, you know, he's a poor fisherman, he has one vessel, and he finds that someone would bore a hole in a ship. Now, the average person, when they see an event like this, they'll start cursing and questioning God's absolute authority and, you know, wondering why did this happen. Uh, but a submitter in this circumstance should be steadfast, should realize that God is in absolute, complete control, and that there's a good reason for everything. And what's profound about this is that the time from which the individual bore a hole in the ship to when the king came and confiscated it, now, we don't know exactly how long that was, but there was a definitive time that that individual is going to come and realize that this was a blessing in disguise, that there was a good reason this happened, and uh, allow him to grow uh, his faith and his trust in God. In the uh, third incidence, we have uh, that there was a treasure buried underneath a wall, and the individual goes and he patches up the wall. And Moses' response is, oh, you could have, you know, demand a wage for that. Why did you do that for free, in essence, especially when the people of the town didn't treat them uh, nicely? And again, he fell short-sighted as far as the motivations behind why this individual was doing these acts. Um, and he explains to Moses, he says uh, at the end of the story, that the reason he did this, there was a treasure underneath this wall. If the wall crumbles early, then the individuals, the children who basically uh, own that treasure, aren't going to be able to claim it. So it needed to stay sturdy for long enough that they're of age, that when the wall crumbles, they can claim their treasure. Now, you put yourself in the sense of uh, the, the children's standpoint. And the children in this time, you know, they have no clue that there's even a treasure, yet alone a wall that's uh, <laughs> keeping uh, their treasure away from them for the time being. And maybe when they're older, they can reflect and be like, wow, how profound that, you know, the, the wall crumbles and we basically find this treasure that belongs to us. Uh, when we're of an age that we can claim it. Uh, imagine if it happened too early or too late. They could have never have got access to their treasure. And again, it goes to show the just the absolute uh, awesomeness of God's timing. Now, you also think of the uh, the parents of those two those two boys. Um, you know, it said the father died, and he left them this treasure that was basically buried underneath this wall. And you think about this, that God is taking care of this individual's kin, uh, even when he's long gone, right? That even though he left his treasure for him, God is the one who's basically bestowing this treasure onto these children because their father was a righteous man. Um, and again, this is something that it might have, you know, probably took years for them to even be able to understand that God was planning for this, yet alone be appreciative of that entire event. Now, this takes us to the second event. And this event is probably the most controversial, the most uh, kind of like profound, uh, is that they see a young boy and uh, he takes his life. Now, this individual, you know, most likely is probably an angel. I mean, uh, an average human being wouldn't be doing stuff like this. Uh, and, you know, angels take lives every day. That's what they do. Um, but you think about this as far as the parents of that child, that boy. They just lost their child. And the teacher's explaining that there was a good reason for this, that that child was basically going to burden his parents with a transgression and disbelief, and that God willed to substitute a better child in his place. Now, these parents, they will never know for sure why they lost their child. 
The only thing that they know for sure is that it happened for a good reason. Because if they believe in God, if they trust in God, they realize that everything happens under God's watch and by uh, God's leave. Now, it's going to be hard for some individuals to basically bear that. And that, that's kind of uh, understood. But you have to think about this. Uh, the messenger gives the footnote in um, that verse in 1880 uh, regarding, you know, taking the life of a child. It says, Adolf Hitler was a cute and seemingly innocent child. Had he died and the child, as a child, many would have grieved and many would have even questioned God's wisdom. We learn from these profound lessons that there's a good reason behind everything. Now, some people might ask, well, why did these parents even have this child if they were only going to lose it? And again, this is part of God's absolute system, is that God sees everything, every atom, every detail. We have no clue what implications that child had for that brief interim of time that he was here. Uh, and again, it, it's serving to expose certain individuals who question God's absolute authority, that they, as opposed to coming to the consensus that, hey, we won't understand this uh, in this life, and we have to just trust in God, you know, to why these events take place. Um, you know, people automatically jump to conclusions that, oh, God is unjust, uh, God is in absolute control, uh, and make all these, you know, uh, false accusations towards God and, you know, the purpose of this life. And it's events like these that, in essence, it distinguishes those who truly believe uh, and trust in God wholeheartedly versus those who are doubtful, disbelievers, um, hypocrites. And it's very profound because you think about it, it's like this is an act, um, you know, in all three of these events, uh, an act took place that if you looked at it at just that cross-section without taking the, the grander picture in mind, you would have wondered, just like Moses, why would this be allowed to happen? Why would, you know, this poor fisherman, uh, why would God allow him, uh, someone to bore a hole into, the, uh, into a ship and lose his one source of income? And what they miss is the bigger picture. And that's what God sees. God sees the grander design of this whole. You know, God sees what the outcome is, not just 10 minutes, but 10 years, you know, all the way from now to after your life, if you take in consideration um, the two boys who uh, had the treasure. You know, God was looking forward in time from the father that when he was uh, to pass, that his children were still going to be taken care of. And this is a glimpse of just how absolutely awesome God is and how absolutely awesome God's power is. Now, there's another uh, takeaway from this is that we see this in the uh, example of uh, Moses' servant when they lost the fish. Uh, he made the comment that, you know, basically the fish was lost at a certain point in the river. They move ahead and then they come to realization that, oh, he forgot the fish. And the excuse that he came up with when this happened, he says, uh, it was the devil that made me forget it. And it found its way back to river strangely. Now, what's interesting about this is that, yeah, okay, let's say it was the devil that made him forget it. But it was still in God's absolute control. Meaning that God wanted them to go back to that point, to meet the teacher, to go through this whole uh, uh, lesson plan. And if it wasn't for the, take, uh, the sake that he forgot about that fish, they would have never gotten back to that point. And this is very similar to the uh, previous podcast in regard to the coyote and the roadrunner, is that, you know, the devil schemes, but to God belongs the ultimate scheming. That God is already planned for even the, the, uh, the schemes of the devil. That God has already planned, you know, numerous steps ahead. And irrespective if the devil comes and inflicts some sort of hardship or adversity, that if we have absolute trust in God and we basically uh, are patient to follow things through, that we will see 
the reasons behind these events. Now, some of these events, obviously, we're not going to see in this life, but it's going to be revealed to us on the Day of Judgment. In 5022, it reads, you used to be oblivious to this. We now remove your veil. Today, your vision is as strong as steel. And God talks about the individuals getting their record, right? And it says nothing small is left out of this record, meaning that everything that occurs in our life, every reason, every, uh, every question we possibly have is going to be explained to us. You know, you think about all these events that happen in our life that we don't understand why would it happen? You know, why did I get a flat tire or why did I, uh, you know, uh, not pass that exam or whatever it may be? That if we have absolute trust in God, that we realize that there is a good reason for it. And um, it remind it, it takes us to another point is, you know, Moses, he was a messenger of God. Uh, he's described as honorable, um, you know, strong, uh, good believer. And he asked God for a teacher, and a teacher was given to him. And we read in the Quran in chapter 18, um, verse 17, that actually having a teacher is a prerequisite. Pull up the verse. 18, 17, it says, a guiding teacher is a prerequisite. You could, not, you could see the sun when it rose coming from the right side or of the cave when it set, and it shone on them from the left side as they slept in the hollow thereof. There, this, is, uh, this is one of God's portents. Whomever God guides is truly guided one. Whomever he sends astray, you will not find for him a guiding teacher. Now, this is regarding the, uh, the, the children of the cave. God, we can talk about that another time. But this statement, whomever God guides is truly guided one. And whomever he sends astray, you will not find for him a guiding teacher. And the header again says a guiding teacher, a prerequisite. So uh, 1333 says, is there any equal to the one who controls every single soul? Yet they set up idols to rival God, say, name them. Are you informing him of something on earth that he does not know? Or are you fabricating empty statements? Indeed, the schemes of those who disbelieve have been adorned in their eyes. They are thus diverted from the right path. Whomever God sends astray can never find a guiding teacher. So just like Moses, every single believer, all of us, we need a guiding teacher. And God is described as the teacher. Uh, that's one of his names, is the teacher of the Quran. That's 55.2. It says, teacher of the Quran. And um, God communicates to the human beings uh, by three mechanisms. And it's in 42.51. It reads, no human being can communicate with God except, one, through inspiration, two, from behind a barrier, or three, by sending a messenger through whom he reveals what he wills. He is most high, most wise. Now, these are three mechanisms that God communicates to us. God teaches us through inspiration from behind a barrier, kind of like how God talked to Moses, or by sending a messenger. And the messenger for us, obviously, we have the examples in the Quran of the messengers that came and their history, and we can learn from this. But there is another way that God teaches us. God teaches us through every single interaction, every single encounter, Every single thing that we hear, we see, there's a lesson for us because we have to understand that God has curated every single event in our lives. And uh, in 1866 through 70, it says, Moses said to him, so this, to his teacher, can I follow you that you may teach me some of the knowledge and the guidance bestowed upon you? He said, you cannot stand to be with me. How can you stand with that which you do not comprehend? Moses said, you will find me God willing patient. I will not disobey any command you've given me. He said, if you follow me, then you shall not ask about anything unless I choose to tell you about it. In life, every single event that happens to our life, God has curated, God has dictated for us to be able to learn from. Now, 
us, just like Moses, you know, we make the statement that, you know, we will not disobey any command that God gives to us. Um, yet, in every single interaction in our life, you know, a lot of us, uh, we're guilty of, we complain, we question God, uh, we wonder, why did it happen this way? Why, you know, why didn't it happen the way that we envisioned? And you realize that so much of unhappiness is that when life doesn't meet our expectations. But it's not that we should put trust in our expectations. We should put trust, absolute trust, into God. Every day in our life, God is giving us lessons. Uh, and we can either choose to pay attention, to learn, to uh, be patient and follow things through. Or we can be kind of like the kid in the back of the classroom who's falling asleep, you know, not paying attention to anything as the lesson plan is going. Or worse off, the kid who's basically not only sleeping, but complaining the entire time. Uh, you think about this, the uh, parents that we have, God is the one who selected them. Uh, the teachers that we have growing up in school, God is the one who put them there. You know, the bosses we have at work, God is the one who uh, promoted them to put them into that uh, position. Our children. God dictated which souls, which personalities are going to be given to each of our children. Uh, even the traffic that we sit in or the field of study that we're in or the university we go to, God has perfectly designed all this for us to learn from. Now, a lot of times it's, uh, it's um, tempting, in essence, to, uh, to complain, to regret, to think, oh, if it was only different, if only it happened this way. Now, as long as our faith is 100% devoted to God, we have to be at the utmost certainty that God has our best interest in mind. And, you know, get to a point that when these events take place in our life, things that don't make sense, things that aren't apparent, that we have that trust in God and we realize that there's a good reason for it. Let's say you go in for a job interview. And it's a job that you think that you totally want and you're so psyched to get it and you go in for the interview and you completely blow it. Or let's say you didn't blow it, you, complete, you did your absolute best and you thought you were phenomenal, but irrespective, you don't get the job. Now, a believer has to trust that this was meant to be, that God did not want that person to have this job at this time in this place. Maybe at another time, maybe in a different organization. But it wasn't meant to be. Now, God can choose to basically show that individual that there's a better job in store for them, or he may choose to never show them. But irrespective, we have to have our absolute trust in God and realize that if we are on the path, if we're doing our contact prayer, we're giving our zakat, uh, we're, we're trying our best to be as righteous as we can, that anything that happens in our life that we submit 100% and we submit cheerfully because we realize that, hey, if we come to our ship and there's a hole in it, there's a good reason for it. Uh, if, uh, you know, something happens that we don't get that promotion we want, there's a good reason for it. And we have to trust in God and be absolutely uh, happy and joyful. If we have a teacher that we don't say jive with, uh, or a uh, boss that we think is, you know, isn't managing properly. We have to realize that God is trying to teach us a lesson. God is trying to explain something to us. And if we submit, and if we trust in God, and we, if we listen, we open our ears, we open our hearts, God is going to either A, take us out of that situation, but B, teach us something that we would never be able to learn on our own. Um, and God can teach us lessons through any means necessary. Uh, it could be through uh, traffic, you know, at the grocery store, uh, flipping through, uh, you know, channels or on YouTube or uh, talking with a friend. There's a lesson for us. And if we can just sit back and reflect and trust in God, God may show it to us. And if he does, it's basically a way for us to show our appreciation. And 
this all takes us back to a common theme that's throughout this Quran. It's the theme of being a submitter, is knowing that God is doing absolutely everything. Um, and one of my favorite verses is 1061. It's knowing God. We read this, I'm sure, uh, numerous podcasts, but it, it never gets old. It says, you do not get into any situation, nor do you recite any Quran, nor do you do anything without us being witnesses thereof as you do it. Not even an atom's weight is out of your Lord's control, be it in the heavens or earth, nor is there anything smaller than an atom or larger that is not recorded in a profound record. 4126, to God belongs everything in the heavens and the earth. God is in full control of all things. Those who submit, uh, 3122 says, those who submit completely to God while leading a righteous life had gotten hold of the strongest bond, for God is in full control of all things. 3962, God is the creator of all things. He's in full control of all things. So next time, you know, uh, tomorrow, today, whatever, something happens in your life that doesn't make sense, have that trust in God, have that confidence in God, and realize that this is meant for our good, that God has a good reason for everything. And if we uh, just, you know, basically open our hearts, uh, that God will give us that contentment, God will provide us that peace of mind, uh, and knowing that irrespective if we see the end outcome, if God chooses to show it to us or not, uh, that we'll cheerfully submit and um, we'll never be disappointed. Um, until next time, peace and God bless.